Hey guys, welcome back to Girl Meets Show, the relationships podcast for people in a relationship with TV. I'm Jordan. I'm Taylor. We're back this week with an Oscars doubleheader. We watched The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is on Netflix. And then we also watched One Night in Miami, which is available on Amazon Prime. So excited to talk about these Oscar contenders and excited that they are both readily available on the interwebs. But first, let's talk about TV news. Jordan, what do you have? One thing that I am excited about that was announced this week was that um, HBO Max is going to do a documentary about Brittany Murphy. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, ditto. And um, it says right now the plan is for it to be two-part series. And Blumhouse Television is one of the like studios producing it, which is cool. Um, is is yeah. that Jordan Peele's studio? I don't think it's his studio. I know he obviously like does a lot with Blumhouse, but it's like Jason Blum is like the Blumhouse guy. Oh. Um, <laughs> and li- I'm list- looking at like the listed names of producers and Jordan Peele's not involved I don't think okay that makes sense yeah I've always loved Brittany Murphy so I'm very excited for that and it'll be interesting what they if they uncover anything that like not the no one in the general public really knew about Mm -hmm. I know that's what I'm kind of curious about too because I feel like I guess I don't know if it's if everything's been unpacked or whatever but It'll just be very interesting. Yeah. And very sad, obviously, because we miss Brittany Murphy. Yeah, we do. Judd Apatow um, has a new comedy called The Bubble that will be on Netflix. I was trying to figure out if it is a movie or a series. That I don't know. But... um, has a lot of people attached to it, including Leslie Mann, Fred Armisen, Pedro Pascal, and a couple others. But wow. those were the big ones for me. Oh, Karen Gillan. Cool. Um, I mean, I love Judd. Yeah. So we'll see. IDK. That sounds great. Especially, like, it's usually, like, a similar group of people that is that Judd always works with. But Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal... I know that was a new that was a new one. I feel like Pedro's having a moment, very much having a moment, and we're all here for it. I don't. Is there like a soul that doesn't like Pedro Pascal? I really don't think so. He's I don't just think so. There is. He's so great, and also just like a lovable person. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, could I'm here for his moment for sure. Me too. Um, one thing that i'm very intrigued and excited about is i'm sure you heard about um lizzo is getting like a reality like unscripted series for prime and she's searching for dynamic full-figured dancers to join her tour so that'll be really fun yes i'm really excited about that and i remember hearing that she had signed on to have some sort of deal with Amazon so I'm excited to like see how it's playing out 
But did you see? Did you see her, how she posted about how she was looking for dancers? And the website is biggirls.com. But it's spelled. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> okay. So she like told everyone, like, go to biggirls.com to apply. But it's technically spelled B I G G R R R L S. Because. Three R's? Three R's, no I. And because big girls, regular spelling.com <laughs> goes to like a porn website. Oh so she was like sending a ton of people to this like porn website and she posted on her stories and was like, wait, sorry, this is how, this is the website you need to go to. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny. That's hilarious. That's the kind of mistake a regular person would make, you know, non-famous. Know. So love, I love when celebs are just like us. <laughs> Me too. Love Lizzo. Yeah, she's perfect. Okay, another piece of news that I have is that um, Natasha Lyonne is going to be starring in a mystery drama called Poker Face, and it's the first television series um, from Ryan Johnson, who created Knives Out, um, and it's going to be on Peacock. Um, 10 episodes and Maya Rudolph is set to be an executive producer. So sounds like a win-win. Ryan Johnson's a bit iffy for me. That's my, the win-win is Natasha and, um, Maya. Yes. Or else I would have said it was a (laughs) (laughs) win-win-win. Yeah. It's two, two out of these three things are things I love. I just, Last Jedi, I'm lukewarm on at best no pun intended luke <laughs> good one skywalker <laughs> ever heard of him and knives yeah ever heard of him <laughs> um that's just like a really really nerdy joke <laughs> for only true nerds <laughs> only true nerds know <laughs> um and i'm also lukewarm on knives out and so we'll see but you know what I just saw, though? I didn't realize that you probably already knew this, but he directed the Fly episode of Breaking Bad. You know, I at one point did know that, but I forgot until you said that. But, interesting. you know, I'm also lukewarm on that episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> so he I just also... don't know if I'm just not a Ryan Johnson person. I'm Wait, what, what did he also do? Well, he also uh, directed two other episodes in season five that... One of them has 10 stars. Oh, wow. Anyway, just an interesting, interesting IMDb fact for you. I That is extremely interesting. But, the th- yeah, it's like we were saying, I'm a very Natasha person and Maya person. We got to get you on Peacock. Yeah. Apparently. Got to get on Peacock. <laughs> um, Let's see. This is something that I haven't done a lot of research into. Because it seems exhausting, but they're saying that HBO is developing three Game of Thrones prequels, reportedly. The word reportedly is in all these headlines that I'm seeing, so maybe <laughs> there will be like like official statements confirming, but it's saying Deadline reported that there's three prequels in development, and I think we only knew about two previously. 
Mm-hmm. And now apparently it's three, which is just, that's just a lot. And I think that if I tried to research exactly what all three are going to be about, it wouldn't mean that much to me because I'm not that well versed in like the vast Game of Thrones world, you know? And I feel like it's confusing because so many have been like canceled or like I, I've just been very confused yeah. as to what's real, what's not, and like what's a prequel, what's what's a spinoff. I don't, I don't even know. Yes, I completely agree. So yeah, I'll just take it's, them as they come. I guess. I know, and it's like the more distance away from Game of Thrones, it's like I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know how excited this news is for me. You know, we'll just, I'll just see. But it was announced, so I'm announcing it. <laughs> We're just relaying the information. Yeah, don't shoot the messenger. I don't know much about this show. Um, it's an Apple drama called The Essex Serpent. And Tom Hiddleston was cast opposite of Claire Danes. An interesting duo that I think could work really well. I'm surprised they haven't done anything together before. It seems like a good fit. Yeah. Interesting. I did not hear about that. That's all I know Um, about it. Don't ask me anything else. (laughs) I promise I won't. (laughs) I only have one more piece of news, and it is that they officially announced that Killing Eve is going to end with season four. That was my last piece of news, too. Wow, that worked out really well. Um, yeah, in 2022, that's when season four will air, and that's the last Killing Eve's season we're getting. And, um, I think we may have briefly mentioned this we- when we were guests on Movie Mavens podcast. <laughs> Our friends over at Movie Mavens were super great and had us on as guests on their most recent episode. It was kind of, it was a fun change of pace for us because we were discussing some movies from the last few years and um their big thing on movie mavens is they do a spicy double feature and it's like what there's two movies with a connection between them and so we watched uh ladybird and brooklyn both starring saoirse ronan and it was really fun highly recommend checking them out and listening to our episode yeah we had a blast we look for any opportunity to talk about saoirse yes we love her like she's our own our own little Irish sister. <laughs> um but while we were there, we found ourselves also discussing some TV shows including Killing Eve. And I think it came up that because I definitely agree with this um this show it's time. It's really time. It's still great and fun, but I think that the plot has been a little sprawling and um messy maybe i don't think i would go so far to say actually to really call it messy but i don't think it's as tightly done as season one and season two maybe so i'm i respect them that they're ending at season four yeah i agree i think it's sad and i kind of wish there could be another way they could like make the story move along a little bit in like a different way but i don't think there is and I think four is a good, a good little bow. Mm-hmm. As in a bow on a present. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like wrapped up with a bow and you take a bow. Exactly. And then you um, shoot it with a bow and arrow. Yeah, you shoot like when you send <laughs> a body out on a boat in the water. Like in medieval times. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, we're grateful for the killing ape we had, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very grateful. Okay. So for our top three this week, we are playing off of One Night in Miami. So One Night in Miami is, uh, according to IMDb, is a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gathered discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural upheaval of the 60s. So, for our top three, we thought it would be fun to do one night in dot 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 and then have three of our favorite, or not favorite, three of any kind of TV characters put them in a room together and see what happens while they're together for one night. Jordan, I th- I feel like we should just you give all three of yours. I was actually yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing when I was coming up with my three. Yeah, so totally on the same page. It's also funny because I felt like okay, well, if this isn't as easy as it sounds cuz I want it's like what do I want to come out of this? night you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what I did I picked three characters that are kind of they're pretty similar to each other like their story arcs on their own separate shows and they have kind of like similar issues and so my hopes is that they would come together on this night and like maybe talk it out and see their own problems reflected in these other people and maybe come away like with like kind of a with self-awareness and maybe like solutions to their problems so the characters i picked i picked fleabag from fleabag (laughs) um i picked arabella from i may destroy you and i picked um rebecca from crazy ex-girlfriend which i just did a rewatch of so it's fresh in my mind and these are all three characters who are, like, really, like, smart women who have, like, really problematic relationships with, like, sex and men in their lives. And I really feel like if they could all be together, I think they would become friends. And they would also maybe be able to, like, help each other talk through their relationships, pro- like, their histories and their relationship problems and recurring issues that kind of pop up for them while they are having relationships that's a really great answer because I was thinking I had a very similar mindset and I'm sure I'm actually surprised that we don't have any of the same ones but um it was I actually came up with I was like there's this is a recurring like kind of character Mm -hmm. um without being a cliche which is cool but I feel like lately there's a lot of shows about female characters like this and mm-hmm. exploring like because it just opens up a lot of doors of discussion about like women in general how they're seen as like mm-hmm. sexual or non-sexual objects kind of things and how that dictates personal relationships it's very interesting so those are the three I landed on like did you go with a similar theme 
I didn't not necessarily a similar theme. I just want to add one person. If they could be if they if I could add one person to go to your group, I would also mm-hmm. add um Susie for my hate Susie. She's she was one of the people that I cut and also Marianne from Normal People. Wow. We maybe we should have gone with more choices so that to really match <laughs> one night in Miami, but I would love well, to be a fly on the wall of that that night. It would be really cool. I feel like this is a great pitch, actually, for, like, a short story class, <laughs> like, a fiction short story class in, like, college or something, because, totally. like, yeah, I would love to see that play out more, but, yeah, that's the exact, yeah, Susie's the exact vibe I was going for. Yeah, she'd be great. Okay, so, while I'm ha- I'm having a hard time talking about my choices without kind of diving into just talking about the show... So I'll kind of go into it a tiny bit. But um, something Jordan and I discussed uh, earlier was how we both didn't know that this was an adapted screenplay or adapted play. Because we both had very similar thoughts and feelings like it was very similar to The Boys in the Band. Where it shows like one night and it's just like kind of like this almost seamless night of a bunch of men getting together and like talking about things it was kind of like the boys in the band was kind of talking about their experience of being gay or this one was kind of their experience of being black so while I was watching one night in Miami I was thinking about how I would love love to I would love to see a version of this but with like the women of the um women's voting rights movement Yes. And that that's not really where my top three comes from, but it's just like kind of where my thoughts were. Like this was something I was already thinking about while I was watching One Night in Miami. And I was just thinking about how I wanted it to be all women because I haven't seen that before, which clearly you were on the same wavelength. Totally. Um, so I thought of three women who kind of deal with like the same problems, and but also... My thing was three women who are, like, really, um, really, like, career-driven and, like, have their own, like, careers and are just, like, professional, independent women. And also how they deal with men in the workplace and, like, dating. Um, So my three people are Samantha from Sex and the City. um joan from mad men and molly from insecure i feel like they would just have a great time talking about their careers and also men and how they're the worst (laughs) (laughs) totally well and that's a great trio because like they have a lot of similarities but they're also very different from each other Mm -hmm. you know like they do all take their careers very seriously um and but it's like we don't necessarily see Molly getting ahead with her sexuality in the way that Joan does, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but like they're all still very focused on relationships and men, too. So mm-hmm. it's like, wow, I really I wish think, we could like pitch these to someone to make this movie <laughs> because I also think it would be really interesting because clearly they're all three from like different eras where like today molly still is dealing with like sexism and misogyny 
where like even though we've come so much farther than what like Joan experienced anyway yeah yeah I, I really want it now I think that's really brilliant so hmm. for anyone listening we're always pitching ideas here for free <laughs> <sighs> Someone could literally be listening and just stealing them. <laughs> I mean, that probably will happen eventually. I know. I was just thinking, I was like, what if one day we just like, we're like gathering TV news for another <laughs> episode of our podcast. And then it's like, oh, something that we came up with. Listen to this brilliant In our top idea. three. Wow. I mean, these were plays. What We could just like write the plays. We could. But... You're the writer. Sounds really hard. I'll just call all the people that wrote all these scripts of these shows and and tell them to write a play together. Good idea. Wow. Wow. I love that. That was fun that we had similar ideas, but still went in different directions. Yeah. I like it. Also, I feel like it speaks to, to like, I mean, these are all relatively kind of newer shows ish Mm -hmm. sex in the city is not brand new but it's like 21st century and it's Mm -hmm. like the like the the female characters that we have to choose from are like very complex and it's very cool yeah extremely always room for getting better and better the fact that we had like different directions to go in it was cool very cool i liked it okay well i guess We'll just go with One Night in Miami. Um, Jordan, how did you feel about this movie? I um, I felt very... Well, it's like you said. I felt that exact way that I, I didn't know previously that it was a play, like you said. And it, it, was, it was one of those movies where, like, the scenes and the dialogue felt like a play. I wish it didn't feel so much like a play, basically. And so when I, when I looked it up and was like, oh, it literally was a play, I was kind of relieved because I was mm-hmm. like, this isn't really like, doesn't feel like a movie script. Um, I also understand why it wasn't, nom- it was not nominated for best picture, mm-hmm. but I definitely didn't think, I think it was still good. I, um, I thought the performances were good. Well, something that I told Taylor I wanted to discuss was who do you think out of this ensemble um, should have gotten the nomination because Leslie Odom Jr., who played Sam Cooke in this, he he's the only one of this group that got an acting nomination. Um, and I think it was for supporting actor. Do I have that right? Um, I just had it up. Let me see. I need to look. Yeah, I need to look that up too. Yeah, supporting role. Okay. Um. My, I would say that the person I think that deserves who, if one person was going to get the nomination, I would have nominated Kingsley Benadir, who played Malcolm X. Yeah, I completely agree. Also, OA shout out. OA shout out. <laughs> we, I'm going to stop being scared at how often the OA comes up. Let's just, and embrace, just embrace it. it because it's just part of life. The OA is real. It's part of us. Do the part of this podcast. And if you've never seen the OA, that even that sentence will sound so weird. (laughs) The movements, but um, 
yeah, I think a lot of it too is because like I've seen I've seen a decent amount of things that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's he's in the whole OA second season and, and he's in High Fidelity, which we loved. And him playing Malcolm X, like he didn't even look like the same person to me. You know? No, I was like shocked when I looked him up on IMDb and realized who he was. Yeah, exactly. He and it's not like he all he really did was like put on some glasses, but like he <laughs> still he was like the one who seemed the most um like absorbed into the role everyone else that like especially leslie odom jr like Mm -hmm. i felt like i was like yeah that's leslie odom jr you know i didn't realize it was leslie odom jr until i looked it up on imdb okay so there you go actually but i will say i probably don't know that much about leslie odom jr um i mean i mostly just like know hamilton yeah (laughs) Yeah, so I'm Hamilton? no expert. <laughs> like he's obviously such a great singer, and his all of his musical performances were very good and very fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think that it was like. I didn't think that he was uh, like embodied the role as well as Kingsley Bedadier did. Yeah, I would I would still agree and give give it to Kingsley over Leslie. But I, I was surprised when I saw that it was Leslie Odom Jr. who was playing. Because I was like, oh, that guy has a good voice. <laughs> and I was like, how did they find someone? Like, I'm shocked that they, like, found someone who could, like, pull off this Sam Cooke and, like, sing well, too. It was Leslie Odom Jr. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with you on that one. And I cool. agree with you on... um not having it not be nominated for best picture um having now seen all of the best picture nominees i probably would have ranked this at the bottom so that made sense for me i do still wish that regina would have gotten a nod for directing but that one's always kind of hard for me to really tell I don't feel like I'm that much of a film head to really know like that is directing and that is editing and that is the script. I feel like I'm getting I there, feel, but I'm still not there. <laughs> I feel this the exact same way. I can tell whether a script is impressive, mm-hmm. but um, direction, I feel like the there's only been like a couple of times when I was watching a movie and like I could tell that the direction was really good but I think a lot of times it's because the writer and the director are the same person the Mm -hmm. movie the main movie I'm thinking of when I felt like I could tell that it was really well directed was the first time I saw get out yeah because it just was like there's no plot holes there's no like every shot seemed really intentional and important yeah but but he wrote the movie too you know so it's Mm -hmm. like I could it's is it really it's hard for me to tell what I'm being impressed by (laughs) and yeah with editing and stuff like there's no way I don't know what's bad yeah like the only time I can tell is like when there's an extra long shot yeah exactly (laughs) and even then I'm like who gets the credit for that the director or editing or I don't know we're still learning every day (laughs) yes we are but yeah I mostly just because I love Regina King and 
it would have been so awesome to have three female directors nominated that would have been very cool yeah but yeah but yeah i definitely think it's worth a watch i do think a lot of the conversations in the movie between the characters were really interesting mm-hmm. um so the middle was, was a little long for me but i really enjoyed the end um and like most of the conversations from the end as well yeah i'm just realizing that this week's theme is a bunch of men (laughs) i mean neither of these movies passed the bechdel test (laughs) no and that was something i really especially in um well i'm just like now connecting that both of them it's just like a lot of main characters and all men um Mm -hmm. but I do feel like I wish there were a little bit more female representation. I think it would have been interesting if there were some female civil rights activists. And maybe that'll be next. I think just for representation, kind of ragging on them for no women characters in the whole movie, Mm -hmm. I would still put One Night in Miami above uh, Chicago 7. I mean, obviously, all the men are black, so that's, like, a point instead of all the white dudes that are in Chicago 7, you know? But also, I guess, because someone was, like, it was really nice to see a movie where it's just, like, black men socializing and, like, being themselves. And I was, like, wow, that is true. That's not really something you get to see. Usually, it's more, like, tokenism where there's, like, one black character or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that, I think... That's something. It's hard also to like compare because with One Night in Miami, um, there was it was chosen who was going to be in it because it was a dream night scenario mm-hmm. where it's all fictional. Trial of Sh- Chicago Seven is a real life story, which totally. is kind of where I was struggling too because I was like, I would have liked to see more women in Chicago Seven, but also. That there weren't women in that story, but it still felt like an important story that needed to be told. It's more like a side note that about the Bechdel test, you know, it's not like necessarily a dig against it. And I mean, and we were just talking about how Regina King's the director of One One Night in Miami, you know, so it's like this movie about men was directed by a woman, which is cool. I don't know. I like that. Interesting. Well, I feel like we've already been segueing ourselves into uh, the trial of the Chicago 7, but we still need a little description of what this movie is about and who made it. So Jordan, will you give us that? I would love to. And just like we did for the last one, I feel like the summary on IMDb is pretty good because I think that... If I were just doing this off the top of my head, I would be going in a billion directions because I tend to do that anyway. And there's (laughs) just so many characters in this movie. So I will just read word for word this one in IMDb. The story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. And um, it was written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. I believe this was his very first directing credit I, th- I think he directed molly's game is that oh yeah you're right 
yeah i i he has this is his second i totally forgot and i never saw molly's game did you see oh, that you didn't i did and i really liked it i feel like i heard pretty good things about it but i never saw it i think it's but, on netflix i feel like my dad recently watched it and also really liked it but who knows what's on and not on netflix okay so what did you think you know i was actually surprised i went into this and like i kept I knew I was going to watch this eventually, but I, like, kept putting it off because I kept... In my head, I kept thinking it was boring. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if that says something bad about me. Um, but, so I think that my mindset and, like, the bar was already really low for me. Which, I don't even think I really have that strong of an opinion about Aaron Sorkin. Um, but I know people do. Um, but so I was pleasantly surprised. I really liked, I really liked it. And I was like entertained for like 90% of the time, which again is saying something for only male characters. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and a Netflix movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel a little biased. I wrote this in my letterbox review, but seeing Kendall Roy as like a hippie was like amazing. <laughs> yeah. There uh, was that one part where I was just like, whoa. That part <laughs> when, there's a part. I mean, this movie is about these riots. So it's he there, but there's this part when he saves this girl during the riot. And I was just like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah. It, was it had, um, it was like, um, I had recently just been discussing, when Tim Riggins um, saves Julie at the to- from the tornado, yes, in Friday Night Lights, and it kind of had that um, reaction <laughs> from me, where I was just like, "Wow!" <laughs> it's funny that we have that qu- kind of reaction because, like, I would consider us like two independent women who have zero interest in like being quote unquote saved. But, like, something about seeing these men, these male characters, like, saving women like that on TV (laughs) is really hot. (laughs) We're just, (laughs) that's, like, deep. You have to dig deep to find that part of us, but we have it. (laughs) Well, and it's, like, these are situations. It's, like, if I need help, I want help. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't want to be, um, yeah, I, I'm. I prefer to be independent, probably and to a fault. Being but like, in a riot where people start gang raping you are two things that are not on your fault, on the woman's fault. So yeah, that that is a and good I, point. Exactly. And it's like um, a natural disaster. <laughs> exactly. Like a tornado. <laughs> but well, and I think too, there's the thing where it's like seeing a guy like with no hesitation like I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I can't even talk when I think about it. I just watched this movie <laughs> yesterday and it's too fresh. <laughs> um uh that was a really long tangent, but I really wanted to talk about that. I liked that. it. I thought it was good. Also was um hesitant. I mean, this movie came out a little bit ago. Like mm-hmm. it debuted a couple months ago, I want to say. 
I don't remember the exact day, but it's not, it didn't just drop on Netflix. And I've also been putting it off. I think that the trailers I saw, it just seemed like really heavy handed. I'm not necessarily as an Aaron Sorkin critic. I think that he makes really entertaining things and he's really, his dialogue is very snappy and fun to watch and quick. Um, I think sometimes a criticism that I would have is like, it's a little pat yourself on the back ish. Um, and so that's, I was kind of thinking that this movie is going to be like really, really heavy handed and really, really like, oh, I just made this amazing movie kind of like tone to it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't know if I'm going to love watching this and blah, blah, blah. But then it's got nominated for like several Oscars. So it's like, okay, fine. I'll watch it. And I did. I really enjoyed it. And I didn't think it was too heavy handed. I think maybe there were some parts, but I don't, it didn't rub me the wrong way. I thought it was like really entertaining. There's a lot of really, really dark and shocking parts that Mm -hmm. are like really hard to watch, but I still, it was like still extremely entertaining. So it was like, a really interesting combination of emotions while I was watching it. Yeah, I agree. Um, who do you think, your, going to your question, should have been nominated? Well, the person who did get the nomination is Sasha Baron Cohen. And I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was like better really than anybody else. So mm-hmm. I think that the, the standout for me who um, I felt very emotional about his character was Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second. Yeah. Especially because his, his plot line, it was like the, um, the like injustice of him in that courtroom was like unbearable to watch. Yeah. And he, I thought did an amazing job of like anger, but like, contained and also explosive at some times and um it was just I was like the most his actually I like looked up on Wikipedia I was like how does his what happens to him in real life because I've got to know because I'm like really stressed out right now about like <laughs> what's going down with him at this trial I love I the think that Judas and the Black Messiah overlap I know I was glad that we watched Judas and the Black Messiah first mm-hmm. to Me know too. who Fred Hampton was um but yeah, he's the one I would give the nomination to, for sure. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, I think I would probably give it to... I do think Sasha Baron Cohen was really good. I was surprised at how much I liked him. I mean, I don't want to be rude, but like I will say my least favorite part of the movie and the weakest link for me was Eddie Redmayne. I just... He... Like, I know that he has an English accent and it like kept... It was distracting to me that he was didn't have his accent. And I also felt like he looked really old, but he was supposed to be like a college student. Especially compared to his college friend. Yeah. That looked very young. It's funny that you say that too, because that's how I felt about Sasha Baron Cohen's accent. Because sometimes he's doing this like hard, like Boston accent. Mm-hmm. And some of the times the words were straight up British. Like... <laughs> Like, I can't imagine how hard that would be if that's the way you pronounce R's in your normal 
British accent and then trying to shift that to be Boston R that isn't pronounced like an R sound. But there was one line I was just kind of like, what? (laughs) What are you saying? But um, but yeah, so that's that's funny. It's like I was almost being hypercritical of Sasha because he has the nomination that I didn't even notice all the times that Eddie Redmayne was also (laughs) not speaking with an American accent. That is really funny. But yeah, I it's actually kind of surprising the that the Academy didn't give Eddie the nomination just because I feel like he is he technically one of like the main characters in the ensemble because he's focused on a lot. Yeah, you know? he's in it. He I would say I would say him and Sasha Baron Cohen are in it the most. Yeah. I think that um, when I'm thinking of the parts that did kind of feel the most like, I keep saying heavy handed, but I can't think of another term to describe it, but it's like, I'm making a message movie. I didn't feel like that except for the parts. I think the only characters that felt like that to me were Eddie Redmayne's character yeah. at times. And I would say Joseph Gordon-Levitt's lawyer character sometimes mm-hmm. where it's like, even though I was relieved the times that he was like, I'm going to do the right thing. It felt like some, he was saying without even words, like I'm going to do the right thing now, you know, <laughs> it was like, like so all in those his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just something about it. it was just like, okay, we get it. And I feel like the other characters in the ensemble were more subtle and mm-hmm. better. Um, I, this is another thing. I guess this is just an ad for our letterbox profiles because now <laughs> I'm going to say something that's in my letterbox review of this was like, and I'm not going to say what's happening at the very end, but they start playing this music um, at the very end I of the I haven't even seen your letterbox review, actually. I'm just realizing. Well, let me tell you Can't what wait. it says. <laughs> it's basically saying like, I was very, very into this movie and then it closes out with this like, it's like the schmaltziest music I've ever heard. That's like, it almost sounded to me like the music they play when they play someone off the stage at an awards show. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, ugh, like this. And it's like in a very dramatic part that I think could have been more powerful if even they hadn't been playing music. And it was just kind of like the uproar of the court instead of like really, really heavy strings that were just to me like it just made it feel very cheesy and then it's like and it's Eddie Redmayne and Joseph Gordon-Levitt being what I'm complaining about kind of like I don't know it was just kind of ended on a weird note for me I I know I sound like I'm complaining a lot about the movie but I actually really enjoyed it I'm just like sometimes the more I like something the more I nitpick it or something but yeah like but I overall I did really like this movie I thought it was very good and pretty powerful yeah I agree I and I feel like um I feel like both of these movies um are general crowd pleasers I don't feel like Mm -hmm. either of them are like um I think a lot of times like people try to like kind of steer away from Oscar nominated films because they think they're gonna be like too artsy ish type of films and but like I feel like anyone would like either of these yeah I think that they are um like approachable mainstream movies yeah that I think are entertaining I agree okay well I'm glad you liked it I was very interested to hear your thoughts yeah I was too I mean 
to hear yours. It's an interesting. It's so funny that we both were separately like didn't go in excited to watch it. Mm-hmm. Thanks but for giving me the I, push I needed by assigning it for this week's podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I feel like um. I I would always rather be proven wrong by not in everything. I hate being wrong, but what I like to be proven wrong in is that I think I won't like something and then I really do like something. I like when that happens for you too. Thank you. Because I feel like you usually have a pretty strong, like I am going to like this or I will not like this. Um, Do you think I'm right very often or do you think I'm usually wrong? (laughs) I think you're usually right. (laughs) I think, yeah, I mean, you know how that you feel like it's like, this is just not going to be for me. Like, yeah, it might not be a bad thing. I just don't think it's for me. But I would always prefer to like something than dislike something, you know? Yeah, so it's much more fun. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of the fun of having this podcast is we have to kind of stretch ourselves sometimes of things I maybe wouldn't, I would have skipped. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that I liked that I feel one like it's lot. been a while since we watched something we didn't like. So it might be time to stretch ourselves even more. Yeah, for real. Guess we're watching Winter Soldier. Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, who's your crush of the week? Oh, gosh. Um, it's like there's so many honestly, options, but no options. I don't know. I know. I mean, obviously, I had a very visceral reaction to... Um, Kendall Roy um <laughs> but I I think I really think that um the big my biggest crush of the week was Yaya Abdul Mateen the second I have he, to say the same he just he stays like the hottest guy in Hollywood right now mm-hmm. like and um I mean he won he won an Emmy but I still feel like he's underrated like, why didn't he get an Oscar nom? That is kind of ridiculous. Maybe because he just wasn't in it enough. But the times he was in it, he was stealing the show. Yeah, and it was interesting because I was just much more emotionally invested in his character, Bobby Seals' uh, plot lines, than any of the other characters, even in this gigantic plot. Like, they were all definitely interesting, and I still was emotionally tied to them. But his, I was, like, very um, conscious of, like, the just the injustice was even on a greater level, you know? Yeah, I agree. I wish we could have seen a little bit more of his story. And because I feel like a lot of his story was just, like, retold by his friend to the Mm -hmm. group as opposed to actually showing it yeah but yeah anyway i completely agree that's my crush of the week too wow it's really saying something because we really had like (laughs) 12 people to choose from literally (laughs) we're all like a bunch of men served to us on a platter (laughs) exactly Okay, well, um, good luck to everyone to uh, keep up with their Oscar-nominated film watching. Let us know if you watch either of these two. 
I'm excited we were able to cross these ones off of our list and enjoy them. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.